Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast celebrating the radio show Turned Podcast Too Beautiful to Live. In Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me in Dallas, Meredith Aldaway Mayhan. Good afternoon, Meredith. Hi, Bobby. Once a week, we bring you a recap of the latest week of TVTL. That's our Monday show, but this is a Friday show, and not only is it a Friday show, but it's our first Friday of the month, and that makes it a Phyllis Faves Friday edition. And in order to do a Phyllis Faves, we need one Phyllis Fletcher. Good thing she's on the line. Hello, Phyllis in Seattle. Hi, Bobby. Hi, Meredith. I'm excited to be here today. Usually, these episodes are the domain of Mike Frizzell, but he is laid up, uh, and we are going to be his feet today, and also his mouth, and <laughs> if need be, anything else. But <laughs> well, I sure hope not. Right. <laughs> uh, so we're going to do some LRB business, then we'll talk to Phyllis while we have her about some other things going on in the world. Then we'll flash all the way back to September of 2008 for your Phyllis flashback for September, followed by some housekeeping and how to get involved. Uh, But before we do anything else, uh, since I haven't been on the show in a couple of weeks and uh, I was on vacation all last week in Texas, including some fun in Dallas uh, with Meredith and others and Mike, uh, I just wanted to jump in on that um, and maybe... Uh, We don't need to recap my whole week trip because that would be incredibly vain, but um, I am really thrilled that I got to Dallas and the first thing I did was meet up with Meredith and Duff and go to In-N-Out. Yep. Oh, In-N-Out Burger, they have that in Dallas? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There are two. I'm I'm like equidistant between two of them. So I was kind of like, oh, which which In-N-Out? It's like a horse between two bales of hay. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of starve stuck between two (laughs) In-N-Outs. Oh, that's awesome. What'd you get? Uh, I got the uh, cheeseburger animal style fries, extra sauce for dipping in a half and half milkshake. (laughs) The whole, you know, I feel like that's the complete package. Mm -hmm. When you're with Meredith, you have to go all the way. Exactly. That's that's just the deal. Yeah. (laughs) I think Duff doubled down on his burgers, so I didn't feel completely out of place. Yeah, he usually gets two protein style, which means lettuce instead of um, a bun. So oh, okay. low carb grinding it. That's how you do it at In-N-Out. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, a lot happened on the trip. For those of you who aren't aware, I had a week of timeshare time uh, given to me by my mother for my birthday many months ago, and I had to use it. And so I found a timeshare between Austin and San Antonio, and I decided that I would just sort of take a rental car and drive the rolling hills of Texas for a week. And I did. Um and I was alone at this uh, sort of Bud Light paradise timeshare. It was a lot of sort of working class families and older couples. Um, I think the families with kids were all gone every day because there's a nearby water park. Um, And so they were kind of out of the way and that left us old people to the pools, which was fun. Um, I only have a few notes here. And if anyone wants more, you can reach out to me and I'll tell you all about my adventure. Uh, But (laughs) Uh, Friday was the the Little Red Bandwagon meetup, and I'll get to that for a minute. But first, a few observations about Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas is way greener than I thought it was going to be. I had oh. that same realization when I moved here. I thought it was going to be a desert. Huh. Right. It's impressively lush. Uh, and not just people's overwatered lawns, but like I was in hill country, and it's just, it's like wooded. Mm-hmm. Like the views are beautiful, but I would have thought I was in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a pleasant surprise. It was incredibly beautiful. Um, it was less hot 
there last week than it was the week before in Boston. So I just got lucky with that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Styrofoam is everywhere and no one recycles anything. <laughs> hey, I recycle except, everything. Except Meredith. Meredith has a recycling <laughs> bin. I think it's the only one I saw all week. Uh, so thank you, Meredith. And I, I joked that I was coming to visit the Texas contingent of Little Red Bandwagon, but neither of you are native Texans. Right. Mm. And so no offense to our friends who are, uh, but the sensibility there, yes, you you recycled. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a couple of day, great days with Mike. Uh, I had, you know, we, we hung out and that was really fun and I probably am part of the reason his foot hurts so much this week. Oh. Uh, I watched all of Silicon Valley season one. Uh, I didn't watch any of the other things people told me to watch. Really? That's all you got through? That's all I got through. Well, that's a good one, at least. Yeah. Uh, And then we had our meetup. I went back up to Dallas, and Mike came, and a ton of great Tens game. And there's a picture floating around the LRB page and the Stens page of all of us. It's the one with Mike's crotch wide open. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to see everybody who was there, take a look at that. But I just wanted to thank you, Meredith for your hospitality it was such a great night um you and duff are such good hosts uh between you setting everything up and duff running the grill and it was really delightful i had no idea texas could be so nice now i still don't want to live there but i enjoyed the visit (laughs) it was so good to have you and it was so good to have everybody all the tens were so great and it was a few people i'd met before and a few new people so it was just a great night and um i'm getting used to hosting duff has parties all the time so i'm getting getting a little bit better at it yeah and for once you got to host one for people you like yeah it was different it was better (laughs) i was excited Uh, to see eddie in the picture eddie is so cool from houston yeah who drove all the way up you don't realize how big texas is houston to dallas is a lot of driving it is yeah that's amazing that that was so cool yeah i got to well, I, I met her when she came to the 2000th episode, and then I got to go to Houston in February, and we had dinner and talked about Rush, and it was awesome. <laughs> I was about to say, as long as you don't dare insult Jillian Anderson or Rush, you're mm-hmm. good oh, with Eddie. Oh, yeah. Why would now, you? I know, speaking of Eddie, I, I know that there is a picture similar to the one that we put up li- online, but I haven't seen it, of um, Eddie the person holding Eddie the dog. Oh, <gasps> yay! cute and double down eddie i don't, I don't know think who I have took it one. i don't remember who took it but somebody did and we need to we need to put that up too that's cute oh uh, so we will work on that but that's that's my vanity for this i just wanted to go back and recount my week a little bit oh, oh. well <laughs> meredith you know the foot story i don't know if i i might have missed it you need to tell it again i think okay yeah what's the foot story bobby <laughs> it's my my sympathy pain for mike um uh thursday afternoon i was enjoying my last few hours of time at the pool at the timeshare before i was packing up because i left that place early friday morning and i was at one of the smaller pools there were several on the grounds and it was a little pool with a little hot tub next to it and there were a few people there and there was this one woman who uh, it is no offense to anyone older who's listening, but I will say generally my mom's age. So I'm going to say early 50s. Okay. It's a pretty wide guess. Um, she was sitting in the hot tub and she had a really obnoxious cackly laugh. 
and she was sort of pulling the ear of anyone who came anywhere near her. She wanted to be everybody's friend. I I don't think she was there alone. In fact, I think I heard reference of her daughter being back at the room because they were fighting. Oh, dear. And <laughs> she she just needed a friend. And slowly, as the sun went down, uh, started to go down, people were leaving. And it was down to me and this woman and one other guy who was checked out in his own little world. And I had been ignoring her the whole time. Uh, and so I did what I often do. I had my earbuds in with no music playing, just sort of taking in the silence, but in sort of a leave me alone way. And I had my hat, my baseball cap over my head, uh, over my face. I was laid back on a chaise lounge and I was just sort of laying in the sun. I was in my swim trunks. I was getting up and using the pool every once in a while, but I had been laying there for probably 20 minutes and I was completely zoned out and maybe a little almost asleep. And suddenly I feel something on my feet. And I shoot up because I have extremely ticklish feet, like a lot of people do. And this woman is standing at the end of my chaise lounge laughing hysterically. And I just look up at her and I'm really dazed, like I just woke up. And she just goes, I couldn't help myself. I just had to touch him. And she had tickled my feet and like poked at my feet and she just kept laughing and laughing and she thought it was the funniest thing and i just went stone-faced and i looked at her and i said don't touch me oh wow and she kept laughing and like she never actually apologized she was it it became kind of nervous laughter and i just said no really don't touch me and she must have been on her way out at least i think she was but she just walked away and like threw her towel in the thing and left what a creep yeah, yeah that's so gross. Uh, i texted sam and i was telling her about all this right after it happened and uh she calls me and when i answer she just is laughing at the top of her lungs <laughs> for like two minutes <laughs> we realized that this was probably some sort of weird timeshare swinger initiation and i failed mm-hmm. yeah. oh. and i've never been happier to fail <laughs> oh that is so whack uh so advice for everyone although i don't think any of you would ever do this wagoneers don't touch people's feet especially Ugh. strangers without asking or or anything yeah. yeah on a stranger personal space <laughs> yeah. oh so bad so and and phyllis i think you someone asked in the in our group with oh. our chat with our friends yeah i i generally don't judge i'm a bigger guy i, I don't have a problem with you know, people look different. That's whatever. But somebody asked if she was gross, and yeah. the answer is yes. <laughs> that was she, me. she was gross. I'll 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 cop to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's um, it was partly your reaction that made me know that, but um, it's I I and maybe it's stereotyping too that like I don't consider that the type of thing that like a hot chick runs around doing. <laughs> right but um but it's it's um i mean it's just not cool you know it's not cool (laughs) no matter what it's not cool well like i said in the chat yeah just instinctively if it had been a very attractive woman i probably would have been startled and then immediately tried to save face for the sake of vanity right exactly yeah it's um it's it's the other comment i had uh was um, you know, unfortunately, welcome to being uh, what it's like to be a woman. Right. <laughs> because, right. 
<laughs> we're like public property in this in this different way and um it's i mean especially you know when i was younger and more attractive or whatever stuff like that would happen just all the time and um it's not cool at all and i certainly don't like when it happens to anybody but um unfortunately that's a little bit of what it's like and it's yeah. not fun because <laughs> you're right. just sitting there being a normal person and someone's like oh i just couldn't resist putting my hands on xyz part of your body and you're like f off get out of here yeah it's so frustrating yeah so boo on that uh, well, I can't imagine it being a, a great analogy to a, a woman being touched inappropriately. I This has opened my eyes to just how unfortunate it must be to be a woman. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. pretty much it drag. <laughs> it's pretty lame. All right, enough, yeah. enough about me. Well, we have you, you, Phyllis, which I think is Mike's favorite segment on our show. Aww. And I'm going to do it without him. Yeah, uh, We'll do it anyway. Uh, well, we have you. Recently... We've been talking a lot, and this has been a hot topic a lot, uh, about the state of schools in Washington and things like supplies for teachers being shifted to the burden of parents and schools kind of falling apart and the funding just not being there. Mm -hmm. You've been very passionate about this, and uh, we need you, I think, as two people with no children right, <laughs> to really give us the perspective we're missing on this, because uh, these are things that just don't come up in our worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, it's so the a good starting point is to um, to know that Washington state has no income tax. And um, Meredith, I think you were saying that Texas doesn't either. Right. Correct. No state income tax anyway. Right. Yeah. And so um, and so schools here are largely funded through property taxes, um, you know, tax, you know, uh, school levies. And um, it makes for a uh insufficient and inequitable um, uh, school funding mechanism. And so um, it's, there are many, many problems related to this. There's like, I don't know, three or four times the state Supreme Court has has uh, ruled that the legislature is not adequately funding K-12 education, which is a violation of the Washington State Constitution, actually, because educating children is the paramount duty of the state under our state constitution. So it's this thing that doesn't uh, work out too well when there's no income tax. And so, um, so there are all kinds of ways that, um, that they try to attack this. And there's kind of the um, big approach, and then there's the kind of nickel and diming approach. And one thing that school districts have realized over time is that when parents are a parents with resources are aware that there is a need they will just turn their pockets inside out and so um, you get this thing that happens in Seattle Public Schools where the um, the school hands out a classroom supply list before the school year starts and um, and you just go to Fred Meyer or Target or whatever and you just buy this stuff and um, it's on the one hand it's kind of like i like doing it because it's like oh yay i get to buy some stuff for the classroom but um on the other hand you go wait a minute <laughs> like if this is how we're doing this now it's completely unfair to parents who don't have the money to whom it's not a fun thing to go to fred meyer and buy all this stuff right it's kind of a flat tax i mean yeah mm-hmm 
Yeah, it, it is. It's it's a pretty regressive, like system-wise, it's a very regressive way to do things. But um, one thing that my school is doing for the first time, they say, um, is kind of, um, um, I don't know if adopting is too paternalistic of a word, but um, you know, taking on the responsibility of buying the supplies for a higher poverty school. My, I, our kid goes to a very, very, very low poverty school. And um, so there's a higher poverty school just on the other edge of the North End. And so we got a list for that school also. And so I bought those things as well. And um, it's one of those things, again, it feels good to do it and be like, wow, I just bought a kid a fresh ass backpack. That's awesome. But then it's like, when you think about there really are schools where they haven't done that and they're just the parents at the high poverty school are getting this list it's like well thanks a lot like this list actually doesn't mean anything to me because i can't buy anything on it so um yeah it is yeah. it's indicative of I, a problem that's not resolved <laughs> i remember buying school supplies and for years i never remember buying anything for the classroom no and then I remember at one point in high school, maybe it was middle school or high school, hearing that teachers only got something like $30 a year in money for classroom needs or something yeah. like that reimbursed. It's and, ridiculous. Yep. And that was, you know, a long time ago and it still wasn't a lot of money then. I, I doubt they're getting more now than they were then. Yeah. And I grew up in a state with lots of income tax, you know, New York mm -hmm. state, uh, takes plenty of money and reallocates it around and i'm happy for that in a lot of ways but um you know even my relatively well-off suburban school district had things that were lacking but nothing like a school district in need must go through yeah it's um and and seattle public schools is one of those very unevenly funded districts because there are schools that have um you know what they call an active PTA, a.k.a. rich parents. And we're more on that end of the spectrum at our school. Um, there are schools that are certainly much, much richer than ours, but that's where you start seeing things like, oh, parents are able to buy down the student-teacher ratio, which it seems like, wow, is that, should that even be allowed? Like, that sounds like private school type territory. But you end up getting these kind of hybrid type systems where a certain amount of it is privatized by the PTA. And then there are public schools that don't have that. And it's just, they're very, very stark differences. And I covered them as an education reporter for eight years. And I went through Seattle Public Schools as a student, like Luke did, um, for at least the, the part of his education. And um, you just see the, the differences seem so much more stark these days. Um, it's, it's, uh, it, it just it seems unsustainable and you know whatever the solution is it might not be an income tax it could be something else but um it it, it where it, where it's at right now is not sustainable one of the reasons that this caught my interest uh, besides your your passionate conversations about it in our chats mm -hmm. um is that much like mike i recently joined the next door group for my neighborhood Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a parent who is one year away from sending his child into kindergarten, his daughter, uh, posted the other day, uh, essentially writing, hey, uh, what do I need to do to get my kid to not have to go to one of these crappy Pawtucket public schools for elementary school? Whoa. <laughs> oh, man. Right? And so... The, oh my God. the responses to that were just a spiraling 
sprawling, out-of-control argument about the state of schools in Pawtucket. Yeah. Because two-thirds of the people who live here, probably more, all went through those schools. People who live here tend to have grown up here generationally. They all live near their parents. Mm -hmm. So, like, he's talking about the elementary school they went to. And on one hand, it was probably better off then than it is now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But on the other hand, there's a lot of pride. Yeah. And then there are people who who are chiming in and just saying, oh, what are you talking about? Just send your kid to private school. If you're going to live here, you have to send your kid to private school. Oh, And my. so this sort of haves and haves nots battle is just overflowing. Yeah. And of yeah. course, there's a little bit of racism sprinkled in because mm-hmm. it's next door. Mm-hmm. That's fun. <laughs> That's and it's a, it's a white working class city that has gotten more and more non-whites in it in the last, you know, 20 years. So yeah. uh, there's some of that just, you know, they're ruining the schools, basically. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. It's it's scary um, when you encounter that kind of thing, and it's like uh, I mean, on the one hand, it's like you know, in person, people tend to approach it more cautiously and kind of suss out where they think you are in the thing, and then figure out how they're going to talk about it from there. Because um, I mean next that when those things erupt on next door i don't go on my next door because as um as i told somebody recently i i can't handle the truth <laughs> i don't want to deal with it <laughs> i don't want to see the walking while black posts and the disses on the public schools and all that kind of stuff i just i can't deal with it but i mean i guess if you're going to say anything for it it's at least an honest exchange even if people aren't really being that honest with themselves about why they don't like something but right um, it's all very telling yeah, it is. I mean, and I mean, there are just a lot of plus uh, you guys, you know, um, might be able to relate to this aspect of it, even not having kids and not being particularly radicalized or politicized around this stuff. But it's like everybody has emotions about K-12 because almost everybody who's an adult went through that system or some sort of education system. You know, even if they were homeschooled, they probably have feelings about K-12 schools. And so, you know how Luke says often, like, you know, um, when you get upset, uh, it's it's something that is touching a very young part of your emotional self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's very, very true with anything related to K-12. And it's certainly something I tried to be self-aware about as an education reporter. Um, and as a parent, too, I try to not make my issues Gus's issues, but um, just try to be aware of, of where I'm coming from with it. And I feel like I run into that day in, day out, which is a lot of times why... Um, when I go to soccer or gymnastics or whatever, I put in my earbuds and listen to TBTL unless <laughs> I already know somebody there that I'm comfortable <laughs> with because I don't want to even get mixed up in people's weird guilt about what they're doing about their, their kids' education because I really don't want to hear it. So, you know, let me just listen to TBTL. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. has Gus had his first day yet? Um, he has not had his first day of first grade yet. Um, okay. So he's going to have that, uh, that next week, but it's all these transitions haven't been that, um, particularly striking or meaningful for us because he's been in full-time care since he was five uh, months old. Um, so it's like, you know, he just kind of went from daycare to preschool to kindergarten to day camp to first grade. And, you know, it just all feels like a big continuum of, of stuff. So he'll be fine. Is he going to be with new kids? 
Um, probably mostly not, because he's going to the same school. Oh, that'll and it help. happens to be the same school where he went to preschool also. Mm-hmm. So it'll just be all part of the same continuum. Is it, um, is it geographical, or do yeah. they spread kids around in Seattle, or...? They they largely stop the spread kids around thing except for certain special programs, which is a another whole thing that we could spend time on some other time. But in general, it's it's geographic because their um, desegregation busing was um, decommissioned after it was um, largely made uh, illegal by the U.S. Supreme Court to do that type of stuff. So um, so yeah, it's it's neighborhood based, and we generally speaking live in a rich white neighborhood so that is the type of school that that we go to and most people believe me this being seattle most people would not characterize this neighborhood as rich or white but that's what it is right well and i'm sure you chose that neighborhood consciously well we chose the neighborhood before we even knew we were going to have a kid so we chose it for um my work commute purposes and um since my work is located at the University of Washington, you get a lot of people, you know, who have kind of similar, like, oh, it's easy to get to the UW from here. Um, and it's just kind of gone more and more and more in that direction um, as, you know, things like the Microsoft bus will come through here <laughs> and sure. people up and take them to work. And Facebook has located in an adjacent neighborhood and things like that. So this is very much a neighborhood that we would not be able to afford if we were buying a house now, which is uh, weird because we've only been here nine years, but it's the truth. That sounds like a whole different Seattle story that exactly. I've been hearing all about. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. <laughs> Meredith, how's Eddie doing in puppy school? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> how's, the, how's the racism and classism going in puppy school? <laughs> yeah, right. Gosh, if only they were public puppy schools <laughs> paying out the nose for this. Although the teacher-student ratio is is uh, uh, one to two, so not bad. Yeah, yeah we need that school <laughs> <That's> district. <pretty laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, yeah. I didn't want to short you out of this conversation, Meredith. You're right. Exactly. Oh, that's okay. I was gonna say though. I guess you know I don't have kids. Don't plan on it. Um, but for my experience with uh, my parents were were fans of the public schools which is a good thing because we were poor, so they couldn't have afforded to send me anywhere else. But we had very good public schools where I grew up. And the city, we had um, state income tax and city income tax um, where I lived. And that had something to do with it, I'm sure. But like, I went to a public Montessori school. um, Oh, yeah. Which I guess is a rare thing. Mm -hmm. I I didn't realize until I was much older that mostly those are private. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did that from pre-K. I started there when I was three, um, like pre-pre-K, and then did that all through sixth, fifth grade. And then I was able to go to a special program at the zoo for sixth grade. So I did zoo school for sixth grade, which is a a zoology slash science-based education for a year. Um, 60 kids out of the school district get to go each year. and, And that was also free. Um, and then my high school was a gifted and talented school, which was also free. So like Mm -hmm. we had, I was very, very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. We had that too. Luke's, Luke's elementary school has actually turned into a school that, um, is most well known for its public Montessori program. There are a Mm -hmm. couple like that here in Seattle. And I went through a similar type high school program, but it's sort of, 
Now what you've seen it turn into is a kind of thing where more people have figured out, oh, that's a way to get a kind of elite experience for your kids. And so they actually, people, people kind of train their kids to study for the test that's supposed to determine, it's designed to be a test that determines your, um, not that I even necessarily believe in this stuff, but, you know, kind of more towards like an IQ type orientation, mm -hmm. like what's your aptitude, not like what have you been trained to know, but people train their kids now for that stuff and have them take practice tests on it and, you know, have them retest and retest if they don't quote unquote get in the first time. And so it's wow. skewed more. Uh, more wealthy and more right. white over the years, even now the the, I the one I went to, there was no entrance test. It was based on your grades that you wow. had just gotten throughout your elementary school career. Yeah, um, and then your uh, teacher recommendations and an interview. Oh yeah, so okay. Yeah, I did all that different... before seventh, and it starts seventh grade. It's a it's a middle school and a high school, and so that was how the, it's now turned into a lottery system. Everyone has to do all that. But for those who meet the criteria, then it's a lottery system. Wow. It wasn't like that when I was going in because there weren't that many applicants, but it's gotten so popular. I think they've started to had to move to a lottery. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting how these things change over time and become more and more, um, you know, desirable. And then, you know, you start to, to kind of question, well, why don't we just do everything that way then? Mm -hmm. But there's always some reason why why not so um yeah it's uh we don't really quite have the public education thing figured out in this country that's for sure <laughs> yeah. I, I never realized yeah. how spoiled i was to have just gone to sort of a white upper middle class suburban school district until i talked to yeah. people who experience you know the unevenness of urban school districts or the, the flip side too I know a lot of people now who grew up in really rural areas and just weren't offered the advanced opportunities that they probably would have thrived in because there wasn't enough of a demand of them in their district to have them right so mm -hmm. you know yeah. there was the one smart kid with a bunch of farmers who probably could right. have gotten a lot further with more help that was my mom's situation and another another awkward situation to be in well awkward at best can be to be one of the few people of color in a district like you describe uh that has yep. its own problems <laughs> yeah so, we are just messed up all around <laughs> uh i think we have to leave that there though because we do have some september clips to get to that you brought us and they are clips from september 2008 and in fact not one but two uh, you brought us uh, clips that bookend one week of September in 2008, and they're Jen Andrews-centric. Um, let's take them yes. one at a time, so why don't you get us going? <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited about this. So um, this, is, uh, this is a Monday after a weekend where they've all gone to their colleague Katie Springer's wedding, and they're doing their post-game analysis of the wedding. And as we get to this clip... Jen is describing that she and Jason had a plan to meet at the wedding. Jason went to the Husky game, and then he was going to come directly to the wedding and meet me there. Mm -hmm. The last thing I said to him was, I've left the directions to the wedding on the table, so just come home, put on your suit, and meet me there. That was our last discussion. So at about, I don't know, 8, 30, 9 o'clock, I'm having a great time. I'm chatting with people at the wedding, and I look over, and I see him come around the corner, and he's only wearing half a suit. He only put on the top half of the suit, and then he just threw on some slacks. 
as if as if the top part of his suit was a sport coat. But it's not. It's a it's a navy blue pinstriped, very old fashioned. He had it was made for him by a haberdasher. Like it's very old fashioned. It has like it's very long. The suit jacket is very long and it has vents on the sides. I mean, it is in no way in no way a sport coat. Let me say this in Jason's defense. I saw him and we talked about the football game and we had a nice conversation and, and never once did I think, oh yeah, that's that's uh, that that doesn't work. I didn't it didn't even it looked it looked to me like it was a blazer. Really? I did not get any Okay. I, I was really embarrassed. I did not think that it didn't it did not immediately jump out. It didn't pop. Okay. As being a, mis- a, a, a mismatch. I'm glad to hear that because they definitely did not go together. Well, wh- and I explained that to him extensively on the ride home. I was feeling no pain and uh, as explained we can, it. As we can tell. <laughs> explained it on and on and on the whole way home. What did he say? What was his defense for this incredible sartorial faux pas? His defense was that he was racing around the house because he knew I was waiting for him at the wedding and he was and the Husky game had gone long and it took him a long time to get out of the parking lot. And so he was racing around. And at the same time, he was talking on the phone with his sister because they're working out their marathon training plan for their next marathon. And so he wasn't really thinking. And when he put on the suit jacket, he said, oh, this is really hot. I don't want to wear the suit pants. So he just grabbed some slacks. Well, now that part I don't exactly understand because how how much how much less hot are the slacks? I know. It makes no sense. He says he was distracted by the phone call, and he just didn't make a good decision, mm-hmm. and he apologized. Well, I don't know if he should have to apologize. I, did I not... said make good choices. Make better choices. Oh, God. I don't even want to imagine what it was like in that car. <laughs> you slightly tippled. And the photos, by the way, are up at MyNorthwest.com. Now, which one of these pictures, Jennifer, do you think indicates to you that you had probably... The final one. Uh, yeah. Uh, bring uh, bring on the smart water and aspirin is, yes. the, is the caption. Yes. I actually I almost put up another one, but I thought I had too many up. But there's one where my all my hair is like upside down in Jason's face, and he has a look on his face like it's going to be a long night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should put that one up. Now, when he knows that you've, you, you're into your cups, mm-hmm. as Frank McCourt would put it, does he then know to shrug off your criticisms about his fashion choices and such? Does he think that's just Jen being Jen? Yes. He was laughing and thinking I was being quite funny. And then um, when we got home, he said, I will, why don't you go on into bed and I will bring you some aspirin and smart water. And I said, oh, I'm fine. And he goes, well, why don't you just have some aspirin and smart water? What a mensch. (laughs) What a sweetheart. I think if the trade-off is that sometimes he may not put the right pants and jacket combination together, I still say you take him in the bargain. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. And in his credit, to his credit, he didn't get all defensive or anything like that. He just said, yeah, probably wasn't a great choice. I'll, next time I'll know. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go to the next one in a second. But, Bobby, have you ever worn a suit jacket <laughs> as a sport coat? Uh, the answer should be no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I have to confess that on occasion, I have certainly grabbed a suit coat and worn it with a pair of khakis or... Uh, slacks of a different color. Now, you have to be really careful when you do that because blazer rules suddenly applied. You can't wear like a gray blazer with a slightly different shade of gray pants because then it just looks like you got dressed wrong. It looks like you tried to put on a suit and you didn't. So you have to pick a color that is different enough that it was clearly intentional 
Ah. that you did um mm-hmm. i i have gotten better about not doing that i think uh, i've learned to care more as time has gone on uh but i've certainly done it in the past and i regret it and you circulate in these fancy crowds so i can right. see how you might not want to mess that stuff up <laughs> that is yeah that it's funny because i i uh i had that feeling too of like is that really so wrong but I can I can see now how it's just it's cut completely differently. They're two completely lev- different levels of of fanciness, and you probably don't want to mix and match that too much. The people who are most likely to notice are the people you definitely don't want to notice, and that's yeah. the problem. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally see that. Well, so um, by the end of the week, Jen is in a completely different state of mind and there's a reason for that as we will hear (laughs) now as luke talks to jen from actually his post in la um so you might the sound quality might be slightly different but he did this show from la and he just dives right into that jennifer andrews Mm -hmm. i uh i texted you today or maybe i emailed you i can't remember what exact form it was but i i contacted you about two o'clock today to see how you were feeling because I was worried you were, you were feeling kind of sick last night. Mm-hmm. And I got back an interesting reply from you and one that I don't actually get very – even though your image, even though the joke about you on the show is that you definitely uh, know your way around a glass of red wine at the Azteca, mm-hmm. that you are, you are a, a very responsible person and you are rarely – you rarely get really into your cups during the day because you know we got to come in and do the show. Right. So it's not it's not very frequent that I get an, an email like this. I sent mine to you that says I like this. I haven't had a chance to read Rail Kids. That was an article you'd sent to me. Uh, it looks good though. How are you feeling? Response: I'm sorry. This is from Jennifer. 2:51 uh, p.m. I'm sorry to tell you that I'm drunk, but I plan to deal with that in a while. That was the message. <laughs> I'm so surprised I sent send on that. What pray tell happened to you today? (laughs) Well, I was home with Mr. Knightley by myself, and I... At 11? Well, really what started it was uh, that I, as I do every single day, I start work at 9 a.m., and I'm very disciplined about it. And I sit down every morning at 9 a.m., and I open my Cairo email, and I begin my work. And at 11, I started feeling tired of that. It kind of reminded me when I took my niece Greta to the aquarium and paid $18 a person to get in. And (laughs) after five minutes, she said, I'm kind of tired of this. I had that moment where I just thought, I'm really tired of doing this. And so was it now was it was that a little bit exaggerated in your mind or increased that feeling because I'm in L.A., I'm watching Moonrises, I'm basically (laughs) frittering away the day and you're in Seattle at nine in the morning trying to come up with something for the show. It was a little, a little teensy weensy part of you that thought, let Burbank do some work for once. (laughs) Um, well, there is a part of me, see, I believe that you're a devil person because you, you charm people and it always all works in this amazing way that I finally decided that you're a devil person. Sure. So, <laughs> Was that a character from Carnival? No, I just, that's just how I describe it. That seems like the best way. And so I just thought, you know, I, it'll all work out for Luke. It'll be fine. 
he can get stuck in traffic and get there at 6.59 and go on and be adorable and it'll all work. So I was kind of having that moment of like, why am I doing this? This is silly. Mm-hmm. So I got up and I decided to um, have a, a small glass of wine. Mm-hmm. At so, what, what, what time are we talking here, if, if you can remember? Uh, I'm going to say noon. Okay. Uh, so I, I got a small glass of wine and I sat down and the Rolling Stone was sitting there. And so I picked up the Rolling Stone and it had this article about 10 years, 10 year anniversary of the Big Lebowski. Mm. And I started reading this article and it was just amazing because it was this whole thing about how, like, why is the dude, the, um, the hero for our generation more so than Iron Man or Batman? Like, why is he our superhero? And, um... Philip Seymour Hoffman said, the thing about the dude abides is that that's what we all want. Everybody wants to live a life where you don't have to worry about what your ATM number is. You don't have to worry about your APR. You don't want, you know, it, it said in the time it took you to read this paragraph, you probably just missed three emails. The dude never worries about that. Wow. It was just this whole like building article about how the dude, his whole thing is just chill out. Like he's exactly the opposite of somebody who builds a gigantic iron suit to go like all of those superheroes. They kind of seem to be more at the root of the problem than at the salvation of the problem. Whereas the dude is all about like, I'm going to take a bath and listen to whale music and have a white Russian. And as I was have a Caucasian, as I was reading it, I just thought. I'm changing my life right now. And I bet you this was at exactly the moment when that small glass of wine was starting to have its effect on you. Well, I I poured a little bit of a bigger one, and I took a bath. And then I read some more about the dude. And Did I was... you wake up with Amy Mann, or I mean Julianne Moore, I guess, is in that scene, <laughs> leaning over you? Thank God, with no. Some nihilists? So that was great. I had a bath and I thought about it some more and I just thought, why am I worrying? Why am I stressing? So I got some more wine and then I went out and I sat down and I said, Mr. Knightley, come here. So Mr. Knightley came over and he got up on the couch with me and he laid his head in my lap and I said, we're just going to not worry anymore. We're just going to abide. So then I had some more wine and I just was feeling awesome. Yeah. And then I heard the little bing of my email and I went over and it was you. And I, so that's why I just thought. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna attempt to interact about the show. But but I'm now, just gonna do the dude and just say, dude, chill. And do you remember the Do you remember the email that I sent you in reply? Yes. Well, sort of. It was like awesome, maybe. I just said awesome. I wish I was there. Well, and then I wrote back, "See, sí, senor." But then oh, I, I was worried. Well, see, I didn't know if there was an e on the end, and I knew you were with Vanessa, and I didn't want her to think badly of me <laughs> if I misspelled it. I already feel like really bad about my Spanish see, skills, and so I didn't Jennifer, send it. Jennifer, the dude would not care. See, you, you, you managed to reach perfect dudedom for a moment, but then you start thinking about how you spell words in Spanish and not hurting Vanessa's feeling. That's a very un-dude way to think about things. I know. Well, so that's why I just walked away. I didn't send it. I just thought I don't even need to respond. The dude wouldn't worry about it. So I went back over and I had some more wine and I just felt awesome until Jason got home at four and said, time to go to work. And I was at that point laying completely on my back on the floor and the dog's head was on my belly and my wine glass was in my hand. If I, I, I don't, I don't want this to be that kind of show, but can I ask, did you have clothes on? Oh yeah. Okay, good. I was. I well, was. You, you got out of the bath. I didn't know if. Well, you know that I wear a bathrobe at home. I, yes, so I do. So I was wearing a bathrobe. Okay, okay. So you were covered, but you weren't wearing like real clothes yet. No, no. <laughs> so you were in a bathrobe. The dog. I don't wear real clothes at home ever. I only wear a bathrobe. 
the dog is probably thinks that you know how dogs can sense when the life is yes. <laughs> leaving someone. <laughs> Mr. Knightley probably is thinking is he trying to is he trying to like use his nose to nudge you back to life? I think he didn't know what was happening, so he was just going to stick close. That was the sense I got. Like, he wasn't sure where we were headed, so he was just going to stay close to me no matter what. He's a good egg that way, yeah. nightly. Yeah. So then Jason got home, and he said, time, time to, for me to take you to work. And I said, um, I will not be able to go right now. And he looked right over at me and said, have you been drinking? And I said, actually, I'm drunk. How did he, boy, how did he put that one together? I don't You're know. You're lying on the floor. There's an empty <laughs> wine bottle next to you. <laughs> Rolling Stone Lebowski article next to you and nightly trying to do CPR. Well, and then I said to him, have you read this article about the dude, <laughs> the decade of the dude? And he said, no. And I said, it's amazing. It just changed my whole life. So then he sat down and he said, well, how did it change your life? And I was telling him all about it. And he said, so are you not going to work today? And I said, no, I'm going, I'm going. And he said, well you got to go. I mean, you're late. I said, okay, okay. So I would say about an hour later, I was actually up and dressed and moving out the door. And most of that was Jason's work. I just kind of went along. <laughs> and it was then... like weekend at Jenny's. <laughs> yes. And then we Did you got... guys stumble into a conga line at some point? <laughs> exactly. So then the next thing I knew, we were in line at um, the coffee shop, and he was ordering a gigantic coffee. And so then I got the coffee put in my hands, and then he drove me here. And um, he pulled up out front, and he said, you're here. And I said, I can tell. And then he said... <laughs> I'm not like a drunken idiot. I mean, I put pants on. <laughs> and then he said, um, is it okay for you to go inside in this condition? And I said, it's Friday night at 530. Nobody's here. And he said, okay. So, so then I got out of the car and I leaned in for a kiss and he said, make better choices. <laughs> then he drove away. I think he definitely reserves the right to say that, being that he, he kind of helped you along. Well, and he was very clear. He said, I don't have any problem with any of this except for the fact that you have to go to work. He said, mm -hmm. if it was an, any other day, but you have to get up and go to work and... Um, you have responsibilities and people counting on you. You know, it was a lecture we've heard many times. <laughs> you and you and Knightley? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Knightley was in the car, too. And he was still kind of he was in the back seat, but he had his head kind of over the my seat, like leaning on my shoulder. He was sticking with me no matter what. Well, here's the thing. And, and the last thing, the last thing I would ever want to do is is be in disagreement with your lovely husband or you know, work against whatever it is you guys have going in terms of your agreements and, and things like that when it comes to the Jesus juice. But I will say just as the one of the other people that works on the show with you, I am never worried about uh, whether you've booked 400 guests or just 300 that day or any of those things. I'm more worried that because you don't dude it up enough mm -hmm. and maybe it doesn't even have to involve drinking, mm -hmm. but just because you 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 have incredibly high standards for yourself. I'm more worried that you're going to quit the show because you're burned out. So if you need to get drunk on your floor every once in a while just to let off some steam and to feel to get in touch with your inner dude, from where I sit, I don't have any problem with that. <laughs> just want to let you know that. Okay. Good. Particularly if it if it in any way uh, you know, keeps you working on the show for a longer period of time. It keep if it keeps you overall sane. Right. Longer, I'm into it. But I think Jason raises some very good points also. Yes. 
Well, and he is the one that had to get me out the door, right. which was, and I wasn't nice, and I was like, you're being judgmental. I didn't judge you, and you went to the gym. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, I didn't know that going to the gym was something to be judged. And I'm like, well, it is. (laughs) And and this is a judgment-free zone. And then he kept saying, I don't have a problem with this. It's just that you have to go to work, and I have to get you there. So I understood that. Yeah. I didn't understand it when it was happening because I was quite abusive. Have you talked to him uh, since since you guys parted company? No, but I have been making some good choices, I feel like. Well, that's um, good. The Ron and Don show before uh, we came on the air had um, uh, like a brewery in studio. Oh, yeah. That's and, their new Friday thing. Yeah, and they brought me a, a bottle of beer, and I only drank half. Oh, see? Baby steps. Yep. Well, maybe during the uh, news break – well, you know what? I'll leave it to you. I'm sure Jason's probably listening somewhere in a cafe. <laughs> Working because he figures only one of you will be employed by Monday, and so <laughs> he better keep the he better keep that cheddar coming in. Seriously though, this article about the dude was awesome. Well, I, you know what? Now, we're out of time. We've got a break here. I'm bummed because that is a really interesting conversation which we didn't even get into, which is the idea of the dude. The dude is Jimmy Buffett for hipsters. Mm. It's that it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> because I think we all know, most of us, that if we stopped caring at all how bad could it really get right so you have to move into a really tiny apartment you got to go live in your parents basement you got to crash with friends the dude wouldn't have a problem with any of that stuff Mm -mm. and we spend so much time trying to chase the dollar and get a slightly better position in whatever kind of industry we're in and the fact of the matter is if you just stopped caring right now i don't think your life would become appreciably worse in fact, it might become way better. And that is the, that's the scary thing that's out there because that undermines everything that we do all the time. Like, I mean, that, that works in the, exactly the opposite direction. And if we all gave in to our dudeness, I think that the society would fall apart and none of us would care. Well, what I announced today at about 4.45 really loudly in Jason's ear is that I am going to be joining a bowling league because I feel like that is the answer for me right now because I can't just stop caring. But I think that if I had a group of people and one was kind of a crazy Vietnam vet mm-hmm. and one of them was kind of a – You're uh, out of your element, Donnie. Yeah. If I just had that group and they – and we were all different. We all have different political ideas. And we're all totally different people, but we're loyal to each other and to bowling. I feel mm-hmm. like my life would be so much better. I think that is a great idea. Maybe I could be on that team, or maybe you see too much of me as well, it is. Well, I think we should maybe have a league or something. Or, yes. I don't know, but I feel I, – I said it today very loudly a lot yeah. of times in Jason's ear, but I am joining a bowling league. All right. Say it loud. I, I bowl and I'm proud. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, I'm glad you made it in one piece. I'm glad your relationship with Jason is still intact, <laughs> and I'm glad that you had a really fun afternoon. On the Making Better Choices game. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a wash for the week, huh? It's one in one. Yeah, callback. <laughs> one in one. Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. And I just love – so what I love about both of these is – Jen imitating herself on a drunken lecturing <laughs> rant. <laughs> like it's so, that's how you know she knows it's funny. And I do a lot of things like this when I when I um speaking of schools, when I uh, get to go and be a guest lecturer somewhere, a lot of times I'll play a piece of tape for students and I'll be like, 
what does that person think of what they're saying and how do you know that and so much of it comes across with you know are they imitating someone how are they imitating them are they reenacting something they were saying to themselves are they berating themselves or you know are they kind of laughing along at themselves and this is one of those things where you can definitely tell she is laughing <laughs> at it and it's so great <laughs> it's so awesome can we just do the recap of the timeline of this afternoon? Yes. She gets up. She starts working at nine. Yeah. She decides that work isn't for her today around yeah. 11. Yeah. yeah. And I have to say, um, <laughs> people people don't like it when I say this, but I'm not a fan of zoos for the most part, and I'm not right. a fan of aquariums. Mm-hmm. And when she mentioned her niece, <laughs> Greta, yeah. The eighteen dollar aquarium tickets, and then five minutes later, yeah. her being like, "This isn't for me anymore." Right. Or whatever. I'm kind of tired of that's this. totally me at yeah. places like the aquarium, but that's why I hate to go because I feel like I'm wasting a perfectly good admission. Uh, except the St. Louis Zoo, I've made that argument before because it's Aww. free and you can get a margarita and walk around with it. Ooh. But otherwise, <laughs> where's that? St. Louis, uh, all paid for by Monsanto. So you just sort of. I get it. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So she says she didn't start drinking until noon. I think that might have been a generous um, uh, timeline edit for her own sake to not be drinking in the morning. (laughs) I would do the same thing. Yeah. It's a small glass of wine followed by the Rolling Stone article about the dude, followed by more wine in a bath, followed by more wine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we all had that fantasy, right? That's uh, just like office space. The Big Lebowski is the fantasy of not giving a shit about anything oh, and just yeah. rolling with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Same same general premise. Right, right. Except in office space, he actually gets bonked on the head, right? Like something ridiculous like right. that? Oh, it's it's hypnotism. Yeah. That's what it right. is. He gets hypnotized. <laughs> A convenient device to start that movie. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is, I mean, when I, I mean, I work at home a lot, as I think you guys do some of that. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to, to do it. I mean, just thinking about it is um, scary. (laughs) But I mean, that's what I love about this is, she knew she could take the chance, you know, and maybe it was born out of some frustration and some like, I'm kind of tired of this. Like, this is annoying, you know, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, she had the kind of job where, okay, maybe in some people's eyes, it wouldn't have been great, you know, where, how Jason was concerned about dropping her off and like, uh, should, should <laughs> right. people be seeing you like this? And she's like, it's five thirty on a Friday. Nobody's here. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> That is so awesome. And yeah. because like, I mean, I'm in I'm in a different type of radio. Like I would especially if I went on the air and even admitted that I had been drinking, like I would be in big trouble and probably someone would drive to the radio station and take me off the air and escort me out oh, of the building. Yeah. That would be it. But the fact mm-hmm. that that she was unencumbered of that it's so awesome and makes it so great to listen to because she's she's kind of living out this um you know this this fantasy that most of us could never even contemplate and i just think that's great it's hilarious 
<laughs> and I mean, even if you go back and listen to, so that's um, that's episode 175 on Friday, September 19th. If you listen to the very beginning of that hour, just the quality, the timbre of her voice sounds different. She is definitely still drunk. Like she's, she's like, hey, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> you have to give her some credit. There was a brewery in the building. Oh yeah, that's right. And she only drank half, half of the bottle. beer she was given. Yeah. <laughs> in addition to what yeah. she had already drank at home. I have oh. so many questions. Yeah. Um, before I do the questions on this clip, I want to go back to Monday for just a moment. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, I'm a little offended that Luke didn't notice that Jason was in uh, a suit coat <laughs> instead of a blazer. I feel like now that's something he would notice. Right. Oh, I'm sure he that, would notice That now. sartorial yeah. faux pas. I mean, he's matured so much <laughs> since 2008. Yeah. Well, also, here's the thing. You can tell he has love for Jason. Maybe he's trying to do him a solid there, too. That's true. He might be trying to say, you know what? Like... He didn't even say it wasn't that bad because you know you can tell by the way she's like really that mm-hmm. that she would have known that was BS if he had said oh I noticed that but it wasn't that bad but him saying you know I didn't even notice anything was off maybe got Jason a little less like he wanted to make sure Jason didn't get in trouble all over again right right you know even though right. she was kind of <laughs> laughing about it he didn't want to like reignite the fire so to say, oh, you know, I didn't even notice that, could have been doing him a solid there, right. which is mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, something that I use all the time to make decisions, uh, the Eisenhower decision-making matrix, mm-hmm. and that's when you weigh whether or not things are important and whether or not you weigh things are urgent, and you overlay those two things and create four squares, and the things that are both important and urgent are the number one thing you do. Where does planning marathon training with your sister while you're getting ready land? Yeah, that could have waited. Really? Yeah, right. Meredith, is that is that um, important and not urgent? Is that what that would be? I'd say so, unless yeah. the, the marathon was the next day, but they're planning on right. their training. So that could have waited. Because he says that's one of the reasons he was distracted. Yeah. Uh, and if it were me, uh, and I do the same, like if I'm leaving before rush hour, if I'm getting up really early to go to work, I actually lay my clothes out the night before. Um, oh, yeah. In part so that I won't wake Sam while I'm right. like rummaging around at 530 in the morning getting dressed. Right. Um, but also just because it's one less thing I have to think about when I'm in a hurry and I'm distracted. Mm-hmm. And so this could have all been solved by just hanging a suit out before you left mm-hmm. for the Husky game. That's a good point. Well, but... Um, he that may not have helped because part of what he said was his snap decision to wear the slacks was that he felt hot and he still could have pivoted out of wearing the suit by making that that last minute bad judgment call Mm -hmm. right and and replace them with a magical pair of air-conditioned slacks apparently because (laughs) yeah uh some suits are better than others meredith you have a note here isn't wool supposed to be cooler yeah that's what duff always says like he wears wool suits to work every day and it's 105 degrees here and i'm like how do you do it and he's like well if it's a good suit it's actually pretty comfortable in the heat right oh wow and so maybe it wasn't a good suit or maybe he just wasn't thinking or yeah uh or yeah you know it's bulky when you put it on so none of his arguments hold water that's my point you know, at least he's not wearing cargo shorts. <laughs> right. Although, 
They would be ventilated, and for the man spreading, that would have been yep. an appropriate choice. All right, that's. I just wanted to draw that out on on Monday. I felt like I love Jason. I I'm you know, and plus he got his jab back, so it's okay. Yep, <laughs> and he was so nice about it. And I love how how his like um, fitness regime was also involved in both of these because at the end of the week she's like, "Well, I didn't judge you when you went to the gym." <laughs> i love that and what i finally so i finally got the um pleasure and privilege of meeting jen and jason at christy and jeremy's wedding and i mean what strikes me in listening to this is no wonder she wanted him to dress up because that's a good looking dude you know and like she probably (laughs) wanted you know, it's like you're a wedding when you're married and you're going to a wedding, you know, you get to relive all these emotions and excitement and be proud of your partner. And um, she probably was probably her vision of him in the suit was part of the whole thing since she knew mm-hmm. even what suit she wanted him to wear. And when she realized partway through the wedding that that is not what was happening, <laughs> It probably just set her whole, you know, thing somewhat asunder. And it's it's fun to walk around with, uh, you know, with your with your good looking partner. It's it's cute and it's sweet, you know. So I'm sure she just wanted to, um, you know, pump him up and have him be looking and feeling good for the whole night. Yeah, it's kind of like a high school reunion situation at that point. Right, yeah, especially with colleagues, you know, even though you see them every day, it's kind of, it's a different venue, and and people talk, uh, you know, for years about, oh, you know, his hair looked so good, they were talking about Sean's Mm -hmm. hair in that episode also, and just how it looked so awesome, and and um you know you it it's like even if even if really nobody else would have noticed the slacks she did yeah well and then that couple is going to have pictures for i know the rest of their lives yeah. maybe they'll be from the waist up <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe they can um like hire my husband josh to go and photoshop his suit pants there you go <laughs> he's really good at that <laughs> So we started talking about your relationships with work drinking. Phyllis, it's pretty much a non-starter for you. Yeah, absolutely. Because if there's breaking news, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if there have definitely been times that there's been breaking news and, you know, I don't have to go out as the reporter, but my reporter might be ready for an edit. And, you know, when I can see that that's coming, I can slow it down. But, you know, if I've already had a margarita, oh, well, I've already had that margarita. It's right. too late. <laughs> so I can't remember the story now, but I feel like there was breaking news on NPR and they cut to someone in France. And I think it was a, a terrorism expert or something. It was one of their own, but in, in a French bureau. And and it was a woman who clearly had been out drinking. Awesome. <laughs> Because it was it was in the early evening in in the East Coast, so it was probably you know late night, early morning there. Yeah, and uh, she definitely sounded a little slow. Oh, cool. <laughs> gr- and, it, and it wasn't that I just woke up groggy because you know there's a difference mm-hmm. and you can tell. But I mean, it's got to happen once in a while when you're on a job like that. You you got to have your nights off, but then they yeah. end when there's news. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, I have not had to go live on the air in that uh, that kind of a, a situation. Um, right. But but yeah, it's it's. I have definitely been at a bar and looked at my phone and went, "Oh no, 
<laughs> I have to go home or I have to go to sleep immediately because I have to, you know, um, get up early and try to drive three hours away. So that kind of thing has happened, but I haven't had to go live. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, maybe we should just normalize it and decide I mean, listen to how great that radio was, you know, like maybe we should just be like, you know, it's all right, especially, if the, you know, like, you know how sometimes they'll say they'll disclose something about the audio quality early in the interview just to get mm. it out of the way to right. say, now we know you're at a train station, so blah, 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 blah. But if they say, hey, you know, you let us know before you got on here that that you just downed a couple G&Ts. But anyway, <laughs> like, that would be so great. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my reporters are way too square to ever, ever roll with something like that. But, you know, if that were considered acceptable eventually, I would support them in that. <laughs> uh, and Meredith, for your part, I don't know how statistics and drinking mix. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I don't either. Um, I work from home 100% of the time now because my, my work is in Detroit, and that's a long, long commute. So I could drink every day if I wanted to all day um and i would probably eventually lose my job for doing incorrect statistics <laughs> yeah <laughs> or falling asleep at noon right. for the rest of the day but so but i don't because i did this one time a long time ago and it was such a bad experience that i have no desire to do it again <laughs> so the story is i was probably 21 or 22 and i was a medical transcriptionist all through college and grad school oh, wow. so that it took me about nine years because um, i took a two-year break in between so i think i was 18 to 27 i was a medical transcriptionist i worked mm -hmm. for a hospital and it was a great job because i was coming off of four or five years as a line cook in a restaurant so this was great because it was a flexible schedule. It wasn't physically demanding in the same way. Um, my shoes weren't coated in eggs by the time I got home. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was it was good in that way. And I'm also interested in medicine. I learned a lot of medical terminology. Mm. Blah blah blah. So it was it was a good job in that way. I also had health insurance, which I needed mm. um, as an undergrad because I was independent of my parents at that point. Um, and our offices moved around a lot. We were in the hospital in various places because the hospital was expanding. So at, the, at this time, my cubicle was in the basement of the hospital in the medical records department. And the room didn't have any windows. It had a door that I could close. And I think that night I was working second shift by myself. And the job had started to get boring already. I had been there for a couple of years. And I knew it was pretty pretty basic. It was just, you know, you're listening to a doctor talk and then you're typing it. And the types of reports I was doing were not very involved or complicated. It was often the same thing over and over and over. So it was pretty boring. And I was kind of dreading it that day. And so I decided to get a bottle of white wine and right before work and I poured it into a travel mug. <laughs> and <laughs> took it into work with me. Uh -uh. And it was the kind that you could seal, so it's not like I smell, it smelled like wine coming in. It was like totally closed off. And so I made sure I was all by myself, and I stuck a straw in that mug as I started my shift because I thought, well, I definitely want to be sober by the time I have to drive myself home. And, you know, <laughs> so I started in on this travel mug, and since alcohol is a depressant and that job was a depressant, 
the more I drank, the sadder and sleepier and shittier I felt. Oh, no. It was just like the, the work was already boring and hard, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And I probably got through like half of it, hoping maybe it'll get better. <laughs> maybe yeah. this will become fun at some point, and it just never did. And so it was a, it was a really bad experience, and I have never done it again. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, see, when you describe it, it doesn't actually sound fun. Right. It's, it wasn't. No. It wasn't because you're working. Uh, I mean, it doesn't make work more fun. It intensifies the awfulness. Ugh. Drinking at work is definitely not fun alone. And so I was planning on talking about how when I was 19 and I got a job with the Buffalo Philharmonic working in uh, marketing, I would have to not have to. I would weasel my way into all of these special events and I would sort of help, quote unquote, a little bit here and there. Uh -huh. And I was mainly there to chat with people and walk around in a suit or probably at that time a suit coat and slacks. <laughs> and because I was a kid who didn't know any better. Yeah. And uh, what I quickly learned is people, it just was weird to not have a drink in your hand at all these things. So my early. Oh drinking on the job experiences are actually these fancy receptions with a bunch of rich people where someone would just hand you a drink. Like you would walk into a room and there would be someone handing up glasses of wine or, you know, some, some liquor, some bourbon. And that's how I learned to drink like an adult so quickly wow. because, you know, you just, nobody carded anyone mm -hmm. because it was an orchestra reception. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, uh, and if you didn't have a drink, it almost looked a little weird. Um, in that kind of old boy sort of way. So I just would be drinking and I would drink at these receptions and and I would drink after them and then the camaraderie with a group of low-paid, hard-working staff getting off finally at one in the morning or whatever. You know, bars are up until four in Buffalo. Oh, wow. So you definitely hit the bar after. I will say yeah. before that, similarly, I worked in coffee shops and the first coffee shop I worked at was this kind of alternative place where the staff was rude to you and you were impressed by that. Oh God. You know? <laughs> yeah. Not, not like, not like overtly, but like it was the place where all the customers thought they were in a school as the staff. And uh -huh. we all knew that wasn't the case, but we kept our mouths shut. Right. <laughs> and we drank there all the time because we would we would get um i had to work with a guy who would buy miller high life and pour it into paper coffee cups with lids and we would all be drinking cheap ass beer all oh. night yeah. and that he he Yuck. was one of these like it's the champagne of beers guys who insisted it was the best that sounds way more fun than what i did and then yeah. we would go out after well right but that's because you're drinking together as a group um, yes. and so a story i hadn't thought to tell and probably shouldn't tell, but I'm going to now. Uh, <laughs> is actually the one time it really bit me in the ass. And Meredith, this is because you inspired me, so it's your fault. Oh. Uh, I, I was uh, I was actually just before my orchestra job. I was working in a coffee shop on campus at UB, and it was in the big dorm room near like the little restaurants, and you could get there without putting your shoes on if you really wanted to. And uh, it also had ice cream. And I hated this job. I liked the work, but the management was terrible. The boss uh, was systematically firing guys and replacing them with overly attractive girls. Oh, like, mm. he clearly had a type, and he was hiring this type. Uh. And we were all, all the guys were slowly being picked off for dumb reasons. And I finally hit this wall, and I said, fuck it, I'm going to 
I'm just going to screw around and I'm not going to work and we'll see how long this job lasts. <clears throat> so I brought down some liquor and we had smoothies and stuff. And so we would put the booze in the smoothies and I had a couple of these really ditzy girls working with me and I got us all going on a couple of drinks and we had a fine evening, a pretty dead night and I was fine, but they were a little tipsy and we left at the end of the night and I found out in the morning that one of them who was charged with cleaning behind the counter flipped the ice cream freezer off on accident (gasps) while she was drunk and they had to throw out like five giant tubs of ice cream oh no (laughs) and so this guy called me to his office a couple of days later he he was sheepish about it um and he finally called me in and i knew what was going to happen and so uh he sat me down and said we needed to talk and i said no we don't i handed him a resignation letter and i just walked out (laughs) (laughs) i also sent one to his boss and i was like hey fyi your manager down here is hiring all attractive women he didn't last there much longer either actually (laughs) um Mm -hmm. but uh that's that's i managed to keep my shit together wow but my mistake was enabling someone who couldn't oh (laughs) no that's a mess man (laughs) yeah yeah if only i had thought Uh, to email him and just write i'm sorry to tell you i'm drunk <laughs> That's so great. I plan to deal with that in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so great. Uh, and, and I can't believe she chose not to send C Senior because of Vanessa. Right. Well, and it makes me wonder the fact that she wondered if an E was on the end makes me wonder did she did she spell it S E N I O R? Because isn't it just S E N with a tilde, mm-hmm. O R? Yeah. Uh, so I wonder if she tried to put an <laughs> I in there. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, she wasn't full Lebowski. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Yeah. My favorite part of that was, of of all of this was her laying on the floor at four o'clock when Jason comes home with Mr. <laughs> Knightley on her. Yeah. And yeah. Jason calling her out for being drunk and Luke just going, boy, how did he put that together? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and at first she's like, I don't know. And then it sinks in. Oh, <laughs> oops. That's so great. Yeah. I love that. Uh, now, Today, I probably wouldn't get drunk at work. I mean, I work from home a lot, too. I do have a bottle of emergency Jameson at my desk at work, but that's like a <laughs> that's like for a single drink after a long day if my office mate and I are still around. Although I'm not sure he knows about it, but it is there for him in mind. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but uh, trivia, I can host drunk. <laughs> I don't like to do it because at some point you start sobering up, but right. Eh, right. trivia is easy. Yeah. There are there have been days where I've had a rough day at work and and I usually am done at about four or four thirty and I don't care if it's not five o'clock. Some on those days sometimes I will pour myself a glass at the second I turn off my computer. Yeah. Sure. You gotta start working on the delay. I mean if you start drinking at four, you'll be off the clock before it hits you. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That makes that last half hour speed right by, doesn't it? <laughs> and uh, 
speaking of that, we should probably get out of here and get some drinks. But first, we've got a little housekeeping to do. Um, <laughs> we're not going to do a jam tracker on this Friday edition of the show, because honestly, without Anne here, I just don't know where to begin. But I don't know. Uh, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for the help getting out of the jams. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a quick note about the archive. Um, I don't know where we exactly are with Christie's dream. We'll get a recap from her on that soon as well. Uh, but thank you all for your hard work. We've been harping on everyone to keep archiving, but I want to just take a minute and say thank you to all of you who have been archiving. And uh, I believe there are still, among other things, Walsh Walsh and doormat doormats to be had. <laughs> Yes, for star archivists, and that's the only way you can get that's them. That's right. It's by archiving. They are not for sale. So, nope. Uh, or if you know, we'll talk about how much they might be on sale for, but they're not for sale. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also, uh, as always, if you're going to buy stuff through Amazon, and we know you are, go to littleredbandwagon.com/slash/amazon to do it. And uh, if you buy enough stuff, we get some pennies. And uh, We'll uh, start reporting soon on the fun and wacky things people are buying on Amazon with our links. So we don't know it's you. You can buy something really weird and sexual. We don't know who it is. Uh, your, your UPS guy might. We won't. LittleRedBandwagon.com slash Amazon. You can go to our website at littleredbandwagon.com. You can visit us on Facebook on the Stens page or ours, which is better. <laughs> our show Twitter is LRB Podcast. You can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail or a text at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. Until next time, this is the next party. We love you, Jen. Nailed it.